Mass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megaware Keel Guard Studios. Aaron, I am just getting out of hibernation. Man, that late Thanksgiving dinner has got me just kind of wallering around here. But uh, the December 1 episode of Bass Edge Radio, we got it coming at you. All kinds of great stuff. A new kind of, would you say, unconventional show for our listeners today. I'm really looking forward to what we got going on. But before we get there, Aaron, we've got eight days left, buddy. How are you feeling? Eight days left of the F45 Challenge. I'm feeling great. I'm not as sore as I once was, like I have said before, so that's good. Uh, Energy's up. I did try to call Rhonda and, you know, send you some extra stuffing and pecan pies and stuff like that down for the Thanksgiving just to make sure that I can get across the finish line a little bit in advance of you, Kurt. Well, I'm going to tell you, it all arrived and uh, it worked. <laughs> no, I had a, had a great time with some friends here down here in Del Rio over Thanksgiving. So, uh, man, I got to admit, I can't lie here. I'm off the bandwagon a little bit, but I'm running and raring to get back on. I had a great couple weeks right before Thanksgiving. A little up spit there, but now we're going to get it strong with the final eight days and don't worry, yeah. I'm taking I'm well, taking- if it's any consolation, you know, I've got this tournament that's coming up, so it's going to be very hard for me to get into the F-45 locations while I'm at Lake of the Ozarks. But I can assure you, Colin and Brandon both have me set up kind of with my take it on the road uh, <laughs> exercise routine so that I can at least maintain where I'm at. Not saying I'm going to make huge advancements, but hey, it's been fun. And of course, for everybody, you know, that doesn't know what's going on, perhaps it's uh, Kurt and I have a, a little wager going on, a thousand to each other's charities that we have previously named and that is for uh, getting in shape and just being better us so hopefully that carries over onto the water and speaking on the water Kurt I'm kind of anxious about this week yeah it's gonna be a lot of great stuff going on and speaking of being better on the water Aaron let's move right into it we got a great show coming on this is coming up gonna be your tackle tip from protecttheharvest.com stay tuned This week's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with MLF BBT Pro, Mike McClellan. Hey, y'all, this is Mike McClellan. In my opinion, there's a lot of folks that uh, when you talk cranking, you know, they're thinking long rods, a very specific uh, seven and a half, uh, potentially even an eight foot rod. And and that's fine for deeper diving crankbaits. But when you start talking baits like the Spro Rock Crawler, medium diving crankbaits, uh, you definitely want to change your arsenal up there. You know, typically I'm going to throw my Spro Original, the RK55 on a seven foot uh, four power Falcon medium action rod, you know, something that uh, I can still make very accurate casts with, but I've still got that seven foot to give me the distance. And again, I want a, a medium action rod, something that does have, you know, a little bit of backbone, but a really soft, fast tip. When I get into those scenarios, when I'm even changing up a little bit more and throwing the RK55 MD or maybe the RK50, a lot of times I'm even going to drop that down to uh, the new Falcon Expert Series. It's actually labeled as a jerkbait rod, but it is the perfect rod to throw those smaller crankbaits on when you need more castability, more accuracy. You know, a lot of times when we're throwing crankbaits, we're throwing at very specific targets, you know, down the side of a ledge down the side of a boat dock and you really can't accomplish that with a long rod so uh, definitely keep that in mind 
reels are also important. You know, when the water temperature's still above that 50 degree mark, I'm typically gonna be throwing, you know, probably a high five to a low six gear ratio reel. But when you get into those situations where those fish really want that bait moving, it doesn't ever hurt to step up to uh, something like the uh, Bass Pro Shop Platinum Johnny Morris reel that's got that high-speed 7-1 gear ratio. So uh, those are a few tips that I like to take into consideration. So the next time you hit the water throwing a smaller, medium diving style crankbaits, change it up a little bit, shorten your rods size your equipment down and i feel like you're going to be a lot more successful awesome stuff my great tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com first by land and now by sea for years lucas oil has been a staple in high performance vehicles on both the road and track now from the makers of lucas oil comes lucas marine products specifically engineered for marine applications protect and lubricate your marine inboard outboard or high performance boat with lucas marine engine oil or lucas synthetic based oil learn more about the complete line of lucas oil and marine products visit lucasoil.com Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Live Well, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, always a wild time of year. Like we've talked about in the first part of the show, just getting through Thanksgiving, but immediately Christmas comes to mind. Got to give a quick shout out to Bass Angler Magazine. Man, this makes a great Christmas gift for anglers. Send one out to your best buddy. You know, he's going to dig this. It's going to be a cool little thing. You know, Bass Angler Magazine, they've got segments from destination and product showcase, kayak fishing, technique specific articles, seasonal behavior tactics. Man, it's just an awesome magazine. Magazine. Love what Mark Lassane does with Bass Angler Magazine. The and winter, it's simple, you know? And it's, it's simple. Yeah, it's, give the it's gift of knowledge, right, Kurt? That's right. That's what we try to give every <laughs> yeah. episode. It's just an extension, and of course, you know, it's part of the Bass Edge family here. So checking out Bass Angler Magazine. The winter issue is ready to rock and roll. It's an awesome one. It's got Bill Lone on the cover. So uh, just wanted to give that a quick shout out and just a little helpful hint for maybe a Christmas gift. So Aaron, let's move right into this talking about Christmas and winter time. Dude, I love this tournament trail that you fished, the Central Pro Elite. I know that you've taken a break from it in the past, but they've got it kicked back up this year. Starting the season in December. Awesome deal. Yeah, exciting. Of course, the tournament is in Missouri on Lake of the Ozarks, which could mean one of many things. You show up at the boat ramp and it's below freezing and the boat ramps are frozen over from people pulling their rigs out and water dripping down on the ramp. That's why I always carry this time of year a thing of ice melt with me because certainly I have went down my fair share of (laughs) boat ramps that have ice on them. Not a fun experience, I can tell you that. But uh, history has shown that we might have a day of 70 degrees on the first day and the second day, you know, it might be 
19. But uh, regardless, Lake of the Ozarks is a top fishery. It's the time of year with that water temperature, like our last episode, you know, that Mike McClellan had mentioned that, that it's going to be right. cooling down and hopefully the fish are biting very well. But uh, I look forward to it. Thing. That's a great thing about Lake of the Ozarks. Tons of fish in that lake. So if you're not getting bites, you're probably not on the right pattern. So uh, that's the cool thing about that lake. I know you've got something else interesting. You, you've got the whole crew coming together with uh, the uh, rat boats for MegaWare. Y'all are looking to do some promotional stuff there as well. We are. And uh, there again, hopefully those days the weather holds. But yes, since uh, everybody's going to be there practicing, we are going to spend some time actually uh, shooting a lot of videos, uh, things for social media, for uh, just promotion and uh, website material. But regardless, filming is always fun when it works. But when it doesn't, it can be a little aggravating, Kurt, as you know all too well. But uh, regardless, it's always good seeing them. They've been just a great partner of ours from day one. So anything that all of us can do when they call and ask, we certainly jump at the chance to kind of be able to give back and, and help them in whatever way that we need. So You bet. Aaron, you know, you just bring up giving back. You know, last month when we went through Veterans Day, there was maybe the most social media pour out I've ever ever seen for our military, for the veterans, and, uh, you know, just everybody keeping that process of our freedom in mind. We've got something, I mean, just way out of the ordinary for Bass Edge, but something that's very special, near and dear to your heart, to my heart, and should be to every American's heart. Tell me what we've got special coming up for the listeners in this episode. Yeah, so uh, I'll be quick. I want to tack on to what you said. You know, we are taking a complete deviation from the usual fishing education how to on the water catch more bass and this ties into the Veterans Day scenario wanted to coordinate that around Veterans Day but quite honestly Tom's schedule just did not allow and so uh, this is the first opportunity that we're going to get to talk with him but I consider it a true honor that he has accepted the invitation to be on here just because of everything that he has going on but as you will see Kurt I don't want to give too much away Um, this guy is a true American hero as all veterans are but some of the things that he's done his experience experiences while heartbreaking, how he has came out on the flip side, and now what he is doing with his foundation, allsecurefoundation.org, of helping veterans and their families, and then also his book, you know, the first book that has really been signed off, been able to use the Army Delta but a highly decorated person, Kurt, that I feel everybody is really going to enjoy. And, um, you know, like I said, I I don't want to give too much away of what's going to come out of the interview, but um, I'm really, really just honored that he's going to be on here with us today. Well, let's get right into it. We got Tom Satterley with us today. Y'all hang in there. Don't go away. This is going to be a little off the beaten path, but one that you don't want to miss. Hang tight. Bass Edge Radio, we'll be right back. I am BASS Elite Series Pro Chad Pipkins. This is Bass Master Classic Champion Casey Ashley. I am Marcus Sakura, FLW All American Champion. This is FLW Tour Champion JT Kenny, and be sure to stay tuned right here to Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. 
developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWear Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWear Keel Guard. Bass Edge Nation, it has long been known for hosting champion anglers sharing their experiences on how to help us all be better anglers. We are taking a bit of a detour from the usual theme of champions on the water to a legend in life and other tier one special ops. Truly an American hero. Kurt and I are honored, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, to have Delta Force Command Sergeant Major Tom Satterley on this episode. Tom has been awarded a total of 64 medals and ribbons and five bronze stars, two for valor. He and his teammates are portrayed in the Oscar-winning film Black Hawk Down. Tom was instrumental in Operations Red Dawn, leading to the capture of Saddam Hussein in 2003, and on November 5th, Tom released his soon-to-be best-selling book, All Secure, recounting what it's like to be on the front lines with one of America's most highly trained warriors, a first-timer here on Bass Edge Radio. Let's welcome my good friend, Tom Satterley. It's an honor to have you on the show, Tom. Hey, thanks, Aaron and Kurt, for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Tom, you know, just to think just briefly about what Aaron just went through, absolutely amazing. What your life path and journey has been, totally awesome. I know that you've been on a whirlwind coast-to-coast book tour the last month. Super appreciate you carving out some time here for Bass Edge Nation. I tell you, with so much to cover, I'm going to jump right in. 20 of your 25 years was spent in the Army's secretive Delta Force. First off, what makes you want to endure 40 days of absolute hell to earn a Delta Force designation? And secondly, describe to us what the demands are of a command sergeant major of Delta Force. You know, actually, kind of like anybody else in the world, I I think I consider myself is you just want to be the best of the best. So... I kept climbing my way up through my career, always chasing something that I heard or saw or thought was better. And so, I mean, you, you want to work with the best, you want to hang out with the best, and you want to do the best jobs in life typically. And so kind of that's the unit. And that's that's why I would go through anything to get there. The just stories you hear about the unit, the heroism, the giants that are there. I just wanted to be standing next to them. So I put my head down and I kept walking until the finish line. Funny, Tom, that is often why most people understand why Aaron came to me to help host Bass Edge Radio. Well, of course, of course, yes. I, I wanted to be with the Giants, and, and Kurt, you are a Giant. Now, a little different terminology and kind of comparison, but hey, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. All in perspective, right? Come on now. Tom, this is great. Those other things that we were talking about earlier, the demands of Command Sergeant Major of the Delta. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's basically perfection. We say we don't live in a zero tolerance world, but we do when you get to certain levels. And they definitely expect perfection out of you because you have to make those decisions in the times when um, others may take the easy roads. So you have to put your head down. You've been in combat zones for over 20 years and you have to make that legal, moral and ethical decision around a group of men who really don't need a leader because they're already leaders. So you have to be a better leader. You have to be a more intelligent leader and you've got to be able to guide those men who really don't want to be guided because they're already paving the way for others. You got to be a little bit stronger than the other stallions around you, if you will. Tom, you know, my civilian, I guess, glamorized view is you're a piece of history, a true American hero. Yet you have told me many times that you were just doing your job. 
But if I do my job at a high level, my clients are happy and I earn more money. If Kurt does his job at a high level, he catches a lot of bass and his sponsors are happy and he has some hardware to hang on his trophy. But that's not the case for you. Help me understand what you mean by just doing your job. To me, it, it is the same case for me. Um, it was my job. It's, we all have, um, we find ourselves in places in life and we make choices. Um, the choices, basically, whatever our ability is, that's our response in life. And at that time, that was mine. Like I said, I got lucky. I climbed my way to the top and I chose that path. I knew that it was going to be rough. And when it got rough, I stayed in. And uh, when people thank you for something like that, it's like, well, you just won a bass fishing tournament. Um, you know, nobody thanks you for that. You, but yet you're still on top and yet it still took the same amount of work to get there. You know, so we do what we love. And if we love doing it, then it's not really a job. Yeah, well said there. You know, we talk about the passion for bass fishing and and uh, really what it sounds like to me is just you have this passion for moving in this direction in your life. And, and that's just doesn't feel like a job to you. It feels like what you were meant to be. I think that's monumental. It's, it's awesome to hear, you know, of the hundreds of missions that you led the Battle of Mogadishu on the third and fourth of October 1993 made it into the mainstream because of the movie Black Hawk Down. Um, oftentimes, a civilians have no idea um, what's going on out there in the military ward or on a global perspective. Um, the premise in this Adid was hoarding food and you were there to provide a pathway for humanitarian relief. Walk me through your experience of the conditions leading up to and posting that 342 landing time, the crash site of Super 61, and then the 18 hours that you endured that isn't depicted in the Hollywood version. Of Black Hawk Down. You know, the Hollywood version was was okay. Um, there's no way you can capture everything like that because when you go through combat, basically you're looking through your little your little binoculars, your toilet paper holders. You don't really see what's left and right. You're you're really focused on what's directly in front of you and what you know what's terrifying you. Um, what they don't capture is the loss and the reality of death. Movies are depicted to make heroes and, you know, to bring you a little bit of sadness. And, and sometimes in those movies, even the hero dies. But you just can't really depict the reality of the loss, um, the feelings that we have, the fear and terror that go through you when you when you don't think you're going to make it out, when you think that the enemy is actually coming in closer and closer and going to overwhelm you. And then you start wondering, what will they do to me? Um, will it hurt? Is it will I be captured or killed? And, you know. Will I be tortured? So those things kind of uh, encompass you and, and enter your every thought for that night, and it kind of changes you as a person. There's no way a movie can capture um, the fear. Sure, they can make you cry and they can tease your emotions, but they never really give you that complete and utter fear over an extended period of time. You know, a movie can scare you for a brief second, and then oh, you're like, oh, that was that was fake, that was a movie. But uh, in reality, when it's not going away, it, it just changes you as a human being. And Tom, you know, you had mentioned as as far as uh, kind of what is known as the Mogadishu Mile. Can you speak a little bit on just kind of your experiences and trying to, I, I guess, get back to safety and what was going through and the decisions that you had to make to get not only yourself but also the team that you were with back to safety. Yeah, it was a terrifying, uh, terrifying morning. You know, you make a plan. I felt a little bit better when the 10th Mountain Division made it and there was more people and a couple of armored vehicles at our site. Um, the movie kind of depicts everybody running back to the stadium, but we had to run the Mogadishu Mile just to get back to the vehicles. And then we had a drive on the way back. Now, 
the two vehicles I entered did not go to the stadium. They got lost again. And so two Humvees broke off and drove a lengthy distance back to the, the back gate of the airfield. And everyone else went to the Pakistani stadium. So once again, I find myself in a couple sets of vehicles that aren't armored, driving through and getting shot at by everybody, trying to find our way back while we kept getting lost. You, you end up just doing anything to defend yourself. Um, you know, they say you do if your brother's left and right of you, but and you always do. And you, but you're really doing it out of overwhelming need to accomplish the mission no matter what. And I think that's what kind of gives you that uh, anger-driven perfection to where you just you fight your way through anything and everything in order to come out on top. And uh, you find that enters that enters your life and stays there forever, if, you, if, if that makes sense. Sure, it. Uh, I'm sure it burns something in your psyche that you can ever ever forget or remove uh, as much as what you would like to. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're running down a street with everyone shooting at you, and you're you're running out of ammunition, and you're picking up empty magazines on the ground looking for one more bullet, um, it kind of gives you that sense of hopelessness that takes a long, long time to get out of your head. And for the uh, sake of time constraints. Tom, because we are going to talk more about this uh, towards the latter part of the episode, and also it's covered, you know, certainly in your book. But uh, I want to leapfrog ahead. Numerous missions, you know, have occurred since Mogadishu leading up to Operation Red Dawn and the capture of Saddam. That was a time when there were a lot of false leads on his location. You were uh, basically kind of in and out of Saddam's palaces trying to capture, more or less at that time, the deck of cards of other high-value targets. Tell us kind of your experience leading up to when you looked Saddam in the eyes. You know, that was a roller coaster in life. Um, we ended up terminating chasing Elvis because we were always trying to find that mythical creature, that mythical person that somebody sighted somewhere, you know, or, oh, I saw the picture of the Virgin Mary in a tree stump. Oh, let's go, let's go capture that. It was always chasing something that once we got there didn't seem to be there. So always on a roller coaster of the excitement of we're going to go get Saddam to the letdown of uh, there we give, you know, and another false sighting. Crazy rush on your adrenaline from one end of the spectrum to the other. Always. I mean, you never know. You're going for some of these leaders. If they're regime leaders, they, they rarely had as many bodyguards around them. When we went for terrorists, I mean, the terrorists didn't need bodyguards. They would, they would fight to the death anyway. Um, but when we're chasing Saddam, we always assumed he's going to have hundreds of bodyguards around him and it's going to be a long fight, you know, and, and loss of life is always in, in the top of your head. But, um, every hit we went on, we found less and less people. Um, they were hiding in plain sight. There weren't bodyguards around because that always tipped off to where your location was. And that's kind of how we found Saddam. It was, uh, a capture the night before we actually did get Saddam. We had a intelligence lead on one of his handlers and we chased him into a house in Baghdad to where, you know, again, hey, there's a Saddam hit. I'm excited, yet I'm in disbelief. You know, you get to the point of it's hard to believe that it's really going to happen. He ended up capturing one of his handlers that night, and he, he came clean in the, during the night in our sleep. And we woke back up again. Hey, there's a Saddam hit again, and you really caught the guy. And I was like, sure thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me get out of bed and stretch and take my time. Yeah, it's, it's that whole lack of belief every time. And then this time... Um, Luckily, it just turned out, you know, he ended up finding the hole he was hiding in, which is a very, very well concealed um, bunker and uh, took down the house of his of his cook and the, his family. And it all just came together. And then when I finally was face to face with him, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. 
it was more like I was looking my old dirty uncle Fester in the face. And uh, I literally said that to him, <laughs> which caught, caused him to spit in my face and then caused me to want to cr- jump across the table and punch him and knock him out, you know? So, but being how we're Americans and we don't do things like that, it's just kind of a thought that I had in the top of my head. <laughs> Tom, I got to say, my mind is just wandering, man. Th- this is really uh kind of painting a picture in my mind that it makes me wander to to understand more of, of what our American heroes deal with, what they do in the face of adversity, how they uh, essentially attack things that are ahead of them and how they lead into problem solving. And most influential, I, I found, you know, working together with a group of individuals that are all alphas and then your position as alpha of alpha. Right. So man, lots of interesting thought process going through here, almost a surreal process. We're going to take a quick pause in the action. We're going to power pull down Bass Edge Nation hanging right there. We're going to be right back with more from Tom Sadler. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real world punishment. The power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift. PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio is presented in part by Lawrence Electronics, returns with Tom Satterley, retired command sergeant major and author of All Secure in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products for oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping. It works. Tom, there's a tremendous amount of physical wear and tear on your body from years of abuse. I can just speak of my recent experience in the F-45 challenge <laughs> of putting my body through yeah. physical. <laughs> Nothing, of course, of what you've uh, experienced in your lifetime. Lack of sleep, poor nutrition, uh, lifestyle choices that essentially you elected, not to mention being blown up twice. Uh, share your experience of how your body has dealt with this kind of sheer trauma of what's happening in your goals to succeed through this military process in your life. Yeah, Kurt, people ask me that and I just tell them that it's like everybody else's body. It's just aging only. I'm like 200 years old right now in my body. And so... I feel like that too, but for some reason I'm thinking your 200 years feeling old is is a lot different than mine. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the pounding that you go through, um, the physical pain, at least mine doesn't really go away with the I think I'm at 10, up to 10 back surgeries, back and neck surgeries now. So the physical pain's always there. And most of my friends have, have had some sort of surgery, some sort of broken bone or been shot or blown up. Um, so that pain can come and go, but but really you're lost from all the pain and depression that you enter. You, you end up being lost. And it's more so than the physical pain. It's the, uh, the emotional pain that you don't talk about. People are looking for connections because they've been dealing with loss their entire lives. They've lost too many friends along the way. And, uh, they don't have an explanation for it. And then they have that survivor's guilt. I know I know. I had so much survivor's guilt. Anytime somebody was wounded or killed and if they were under under my command, it's worse than it was, say, in Somalia when I was just in charge of running around and breaking things and shooting people. It's less of a, less of pressure on you when you're not in charge of people that, that are doing the same thing for you. But you end up, most of my friends and myself included, ended up making poor life choices, heavy drinking, prescription medication use. I mean, I was on 13 or more different pills 
just to counter each other and to cover for some of the pain. But you're always chasing a feeling. And I don't know if it's some people think, you know, some people say I, I drank to live. I drank to be happy. But really, we're already depressed. Alcohol is a depressant. I think I just drank to numb everything. And, uh, you know, it really adds to the breakdown of your body. And then we wonder why we can't get better. And then we realize we're just kind of punishing ourselves even further in life. Wow. You know, Tom, chronologically speaking, at this point in time, your medals have been awarded. You have all of the hardware, right? The commendations were given and society says you should feel on top of the world. You've received millions of dollars worth of training and access to the best gear and technology that money can buy. You're, you're kind of the, the real-life badass Jason Bourne who, who's been trained not to feel. Yet, you find yourself in a bad mental, emotional space, as so many combat warriors do at that point in time in your life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And I can, I can even equate it to life in general. When, when you lose your tribe, you, you're simply you're lost. You don't know what to do anymore. You, you need to contribute. People need to feel connected. They want to feel loved and there's two main emotions love and most people think hate but it's love and fear so when you're connected to your tribe and you feel loved you feel part of something um you wake up every day you're motivated you're excited and then when you lose all that fear comes in you don't know what to do you don't know how you're going to contribute you don't think that you're accepted and you don't think that you're part of something bigger so i know i started slowly dying inside and instead of looking for another place to contribute i just kind of felt sorry for myself it's kind of like if you're on top fishing and you win in tournaments and you're winning tournaments, there's always those younger people coming up, chasing you, trying to do better. You know, you might become friends for a bit, but you still know they're out after your job. They want your title. They want your position. So add that stress on top of it and uh, it starts wearing down on you. It's uh, it gets depressing when you feel like you're no longer part of something that you've been in for such a long time and you're less accepted. You're the older guy. The new kids are taking over. And then, oh, by the way, go back years later to those um, get togethers and those reunions. And I still never felt reconnected to that tribe because they, they go on without you, don't they? I mean, everything in life goes on without you, whether you want it or not. And once you've accepted that, it's kind of another whole nother job to overcome that feeling. Wow. Very interesting analogy there. Not just an analogy, but, but a feeling, uh, a feeling that isn't kind. You know, it's it's difficult to deal with. Jumping ahead um, from your last point, though, your experiences both on and off the battlefield. Tom, what led you and your wife, Jen, to start this foundation, the All Secure Foundation, to help other combat warriors and their families navigate this post-traumatic stress that you speak of? Um, I hate to even ask this question, but what are the statistics among, you know, overall veterans of the military? Those statistics, along with my inability to find help, or better yet, Jen's inability to find me help, are what led me to getting help. The statistic that we've heard are 22 a day. We know that that was taken back in 2014. So and 22 a we, day, Tom, is that referencing suicides? That's 22 suicides a day of veterans. So... If you think about 22 a day and then Jen dug into that a little more, it's we're thinking it's higher to 28 to 30 a day because they left out major, major um, states like California and Texas. And we don't know really why they did that. I think it was just when they take polls, certain states, but we think it's a little higher than that. But if you consider that, that's a high number, but we can't really get people to grasp that sometimes as well. If you think of the people affected that don't commit suicide, 
when you have 21,800,000 veterans right now, consider the massive amount of people that are affected that don't commit suicide. The numbers are even greater. Um, the statistics from special ops just last year, suicide tripled for active duty special operations soldiers. You've got about 1% of the force doing 99% of the fighting over the last 20 years. They're wearing out. It's killing them. Uh, more statistics. Obviously, the war is still ongoing, so it's not going anywhere soon. It's only getting worse. Divorce. I think special operations soldiers um, have at least two or more wives. Whether they're the problem or the wives are tired of sitting around at home waiting for them, it doesn't really matter. Two or more divorces. And then we have, I think last year, 200 spouses committed suicide of special operations veterans and their children are 7% higher than their civilian counterparts to commit suicide. So those are just some statistics that lead you down a path of hopelessness and despair if you, if you look at them like that. So that's why we started the foundation was to make it easier for people, spouses, friends, moms, dads, brothers and sisters to help these veterans returning home and, and trying to enter back into the civilian world to reintegrate back into a relationship, into a society where they feel unwelcome. Not that society's yelling at them. I mean, we went through that with Vietnam and, and other wars, and we've seen it slowly decline to where you're welcomed home for a little bit or one unit's welcome home, but your special ops units, we don't really go through parades. And, and those parades really don't help anyway. It's a temporary happiness. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was difficult to find help. And so we started out as a resource library for people to find help. And then we figured out we wanted to do more. Instead of just be a resource, we wanted to actually be doing the help. So we started uh, with couples retreats, and we wanted to kind of bring in special operations combat veterans with their spouses and significant others and help them understand the triggers and the feelings and awareness of what PTS does to you. And we could take a veteran and send him to Disneyland. We could, we could buy him a dog. We could get him a house. But what we wanted to do was work on the entire foundation, the whole family foundation. So when we send that veteran home, there's a larger foundation to support the entire structure versus, you know, the spouses. Now, I'm glad you got help. But what about me over the last 20 years? I've been home taking care of the house and the family while you've been gone. I've been doing it without you as well. I've sacrificed, too. Who's here for me? So we wanted to tackle that challenge, broaden the foundation base, help more so we can have a higher recovery rate. With that being said, Tom, on the retreats and, and that that you speak of, are there costs that's associated to the veterans? For the veterans, the only cost associated is travel getting to the site. We wanted them to have a little skin in the game so it's not like a free trip and then people back out. It's just the human factor. We had to remove that. Plus, if you put a little bit of skin in the game, you're more likely to stick with it. So. Everything else is covered by generous donors and um, and some programs that we're trying to run to raise money. But the veteran, everything else, the veteran and their spouse is taken care of. The therapy, the sessions, the off time, the meals. And it's, it's a great setting, a great environment to relax and kind of talk about the past and talk about issues and how to overcome them with like-minded um, warriors and spouses. Well, fortunately, Diane and I was uh, able to attend one of the retreats. And, and Tom, I can tell you from a civilian perspective, it's not like, uh, hey, let's all, uh, you just want a trip to Disneyland and let's go have fun, ride some roller coasters and, you know, have a kind of a vacation. I'm not saying that that's not worthwhile. I'm not saying that doesn't provide benefit. But what I can tell you is Diane and I even gained much from going through the process because you're there to work on yourselves and you're there to get kind of to the grassroots to start the rebuilding process to get back to the foundation like you speak of. 
Absolutely. And, uh, and like I said, it's, it's fun. We, we, and it's a relaxing environment to open up and get people open up, but it is a like-minded uh, community to get people to share whether you're a combat veteran or not. Like Aaron, you know, you know, the deal, you, you can relate to these stories because those are just stories of how you got messed up. Those, you know, I was in combat or, Oh, I had a family issue or a car accident or I lost my, my brother and sister in a, in a, in a fire. It doesn't really matter. It, it still affects you and recovery can be the same. The symptoms, if you will, are similar. Everything else is just a story of how you got there. Tom, you know, Aaron was telling me about some stats before we got on the line here today. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in 2018, the federal government budgeted $6 million towards suicide prevention at the VA. In 2018, only 57 k was spent. Can you tell me about that and what happened? Well, they didn't give the money to me. I'll tell you what went wrong. I would have spent that money. But, <laughs> you know, that's under investigation right now. It was astonishing for us to read that. And when I did that, it sounds like that's an individual salary, a $56,000 annual salary for somebody who was given $6 million or any amount of money and either told to spend it and they didn't know how or told not to spend it or, you know, who knows what goes on in the government when they want to allocate money and then you know, of course, they always say we're going to allocate funds. All right. Are you going to give it to people who know how to spend it? I don't know why that happened other than it's so overwhelming. It's such a large organization that, uh, you know, they hired the wrong person or they didn't give them enough uh, tools to get the job done. All I know is that it, it's horrible for the veterans out there that needed that help. And the ones that killed themselves in the parking lots of VA hospitals this year. I mean, their families are probably wondering the same reason as to why they didn't spend that money. Well, it leads me to my next question because, you know, Kurt and I know Bass Edge Nation very well. We are a community. We are a tribe. I know their hearts and, and we like to have fun. And sure, it's just uh, fishing happens to be the byproduct, right, of that community and, and that, uh, I guess, connection. But what can Bass Edge Nation do with regards to help all secure foundation and kind of the mission that you and Jen have, have started with by helping not only the combat warriors, but also the families? It's always easiest thing to say finances. Everybody needs money to do everything. I mean, we all understand that one thing. And um, what's funny is we see a lot of our friends, they donate over and over and over again. It's a small amount, but they always donate over and over and over again. And I, and I sit back and I think if everybody would just donate a little, would have enough to help people. But people sit back and they think, well, you're going to get a lot of donations. You're going to get big money here and there. And if you don't run an organization, you don't know how fast that money can go. And that's how that, a big scary thing for me was to watch how fast money goes when you bring in that many people at one time to help them. And then to make sure you're doing the right thing with the money. We really steer clear of anything that looks bad, any improprieties. We stay clear from it because we've seen what happens to other foundations. But we always need financial support. Now, we tell people because we get it all the time. Hey, what can I do? I want to help. How can I help? We don't know how people can help. I've, I've finally learned to tell them, just give them my email address and say, email me with how you can help. Because we don't know. Tell me how you can help because we need services. We need people to reach out and raise awareness. We need other people to be fundraisers for us as well. I mean, you may not have money, but you may know somebody who has money. And if you understand our mission and you agree with it, then you, you can help us by reaching out and bringing someone else's attention to it. We always say... Um, we all have a responsibility. We all have responsibility for something on this planet. And what what is your ability and what is your response to it in terms of All Secure Foundation? What is your response to the ability you have to help us? 
Only you can tell us that. Tom, that's a great response. Uh, certainly a call to action for people who see the same need that you've experienced in life. And um, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get some response from Bass Edge Nation and see where there's some assistance that we can provide, as, as Aaron called it earlier, through our tribe here, here at Bass Edge Radio. Tom, you know, this is normally what we move into the listener questions segment of our show. That's actually sponsored by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. We thought we'd have some fun having you answer a question from one of our listeners about bass fishing, but providing them with a Delta Force Ops point of view on what they should do. So um, as a result of their question being chosen, we're actually going to send them a personalized autographed copy of your book, All Secure. So you got your mindset ready? You ready for this? I'm always ready. <laughs> All, right. All right, here we go. Well, I was this always ready in the past, so I'm in retirement now, so it might take a second. It's just a different kind of readiness. <laughs> this question comes from Alex Loeb. Alex asks, how does a bitter Arctic cold front affect fall fishing patterns? Oh, Alex, that's easy for me. I wouldn't even get out of bed. Um <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that it, it affects fishing patterns because of the human nature, right? Who wants to get out of bed when it's freezing cold except those crazy fishermen who probably win all the tournaments? Uh, yeah, you've got shrinkage to deal with. You've got the clothes you have to wear. The fish don't want to even come to the top because nobody <laughs> likes to get out of bed when it's cold. So, yeah, I, I would say that I wouldn't give you a percentage of how that would affect it, but it would definitely affect the amount of fish that were caught that day. Oh, that's great. I love it. Tom, thanks for answering uh, that question. And we also want to thank Alex for sending that in. And Alex, as a result of your question being on the show, uh, we are going to get a copy of Tom's book straight off the press, personalized to you and signed uh, by a true American hero. But we need one more thing from you, and that is to email us or simply log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab and fill out the personal information so that we can get Tom's book, All Secure, sent directly to your doorstep. And as always, a reminder to Bass Edge listeners, send in those questions to the show via our website, BassEdge.com, to have a shot at winning another gift from Bass Edge Radio here in the following months. You can also email us, support at BassEdge.com, or continue to leave those comments on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter media pages. Well, Tom, it was uh, truly an honor. I know we didn't even hardly scratch the surface of all of uh, your stories and experiences and what you are continuing to do through All Secure. Would like to encourage everybody to uh, check out your book, check out your Instagram pages, the website, but give Bass Edge Nation kind of the rundown on how to do those very things and to be able to find out that information about All Secure Foundation and where to find your book. Yeah, absolutely. Everything can be found at allsecurefoundation.org. Um, you can get the book there. You can donate there. You can find resources there for how to get help. You can find resources in other locations from our from our website as well. You can go to Amazon.com and order the book. You can get it at Barnes & Noble or even any small bookstore. We'd like to support those as well. So just Google the book, All Secure, uh, or just All Secure Book. It pops up and it takes you anywhere you need to go. But our website is the easiest place to find that. Tom, I got to say, it's been a great pleasure getting to know you a little bit more, listening to your stories today, listening to your outlook and where the journey in life has taken you and, and where you're at today. Um, do you have any closing thoughts for Bass Edge Nation as we close the interview down? 
Yeah, absolutely. Just, I tell this to everybody, keep an eye on your friends. And if you hang out with somebody, uh, talk to them and get to know them because like a text saved my life. Any Anytime that you pay attention to the people you hang around, you'll find out and you'll understand whether or not having a great day and you can kind of reach in and talk to them and help them have a better day. So I always like to tell people, um, how can you take action, right? Sit back and observe and, and reach in and help somebody. Wonderful advice, Tom. Thanks for being on the show today. Bass Edge Nation, stay tuned. We're going to be right back to kind of close out this amazing episode of Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare KeelGuard, SkegGuard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare KeelGuard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Aaron, kind of a surprise interview, surprise topic for our Bass Edge listeners, even me here in the studio. What a compelling interview. I think maybe that's the best word I can come up with at this second, but very compelling. Great to hear Tom's perspective on life, his experiences, what he endured, what he continues to to endure from the aspects of highs, lows, effects of the human mind, body, and soul. Interesting, unbelievable story, and as always, relatable in some way, shape, or form to everybody as they progress through life. Absolutely, Kurt. And having known Tom for so long and getting to hear, um, you know, we didn't even be Begin to scratch the surface, right? But we're limited by the constraints of time with his experiences, what he's done, what he continues to do, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows. You're right. It relates to life. It relates to fishing. I guess the question that I need to address or answer is, you know, I talked with you for quite some time concerning this topic, and it's not an easy topic to broach. We are a bass fishing education show, but just seeing kind of our audience base and knowing how many veterans and yeah. and how, how many people, right, that deal with post-traumatic stress, I just felt like it was an opportunity for a platform into Bass Edge Nation audience. I know our people, I know our fan base, and I believe that this is something that each of us can take and just have a nugget of how to be better prepared to look out for and be kind of that friend like Tom was talking about. And so that's my hopes, my intention. Uh, it definitely was a different interview, Kurt, and I would just hope that uh, it is a value and that uh, somehow, some way, Bass Edge Nation, we can continue the message of All Secure. Yeah, no doubt value. You, you hear about these things going on in the world in general and veterans, as we talked about 
earlier in the show, you know, we just passed through a Veterans Day and and more outpouring than I've ever seen, especially through the social media aspect. And it was great to have Tom on. Great to feel this. It's great to see other perspectives in life. Um, we talk about fishing 24 7, 365. So to uh, take just a few hours and have a thought process of something else that affects the world around us, for me, is not very often. You just ask my wife. <laughs> but, and this was great. Like, like I said before, I'm almost awestruck for words, but what Tom provided today was an insight that I would have never heard, seen, or maybe come to a little bit better understanding, just at least the, the beginning of a better understanding. So uh, it's been a great process. Appreciate you getting Tom on the show, Aaron, and um, certainly we'll continue to check out what's going on with the All Secure Foundation and be more compassionate, be more aware, be more understanding of uh, things that these great veterans deal with. Absolutely. I thought the timing was right in between Veterans Day and as we head into Christmas, Thanksgiving. But speaking of timing, we are out of time. I apologize if we ran a little bit longer, but I thought the interview was absolutely worth it. In between time, if you guys feel so inclined, please go to All Secure foundation.org and you can definitely uh, check out a lot of additional information concerning the book and the foundation everything else in the interim bass edge social media is alive and well stay tuned in a few days kurt and i will be announcing who will be the winner of the f45 challenge and which charity uh, that thousand dollars is going to be going to so long everybody we look forward to episode 318 on december 15th Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge, brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 